Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're talking some, you know, USC Trojan football just to mix it up a little bit this week. No, it's fall camp. A few practices down. Pads are on. We're going to talk with Keely Yor, who's in studio, Dan Weber, on the line about the latest news and notes going on from USC football practice. Uh, we'll be out there again this afternoon over the next couple days. More practices, full pads on Wednesday, so it should be some interesting news and notes coming this week. If you have any questions or comments, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you'd rather call or text us, we got some of those today to play, voicemails and text messages to read. 424-254-9141 is the number. Hope you uh, give us a call or send us a text, send us an email. We do love to hear from you. We got a lot of questions today. A lot of topics to get to. We're finishing up our, these are final hours of our two-for-one sale over at uscfootball.com. If you're not a VIP member, this is a great time to do it. Get there and sign up. But lots of amazing content. Uh, no one's been doing it longer. No one does it better. Make sure you're checking out uscfootball.com. The pair style, the biggest, baddest USC message board on the planet. Man, I've been running that thing since 1996, which is kind of crazy. I've been around a long time, Keely. But there's Keely in the studio. Hi, Keely. Hello, hello. You doing all right? I'm doing good. In the fall camp grind, but happy the football's back. Yeah, Keely gets real busy during fall camp. Lots of stuff she's got to do. Doesn't sleep very much, you know. And we got Dan Weber, who's just grinding away as well. He's on the line. What's up, Dan? Uh, I'm really glad to be back. Uh, glad to be uh, watching practice Uh uh, enjoying it even more this year because we maybe not aren't going to get to have as much of it, but it does make you really appreciate it when you get to see it. So, uh, so we're really in, uh, enjoying it, and it was fun to watch them put the pa- uh, put the shoulder pads on yesterday, and uh, and and see where this team looks like the closer they get to like real football. Yeah, it's getting closer. Uh, so you guys were both out there on Monday, which was the first day of shoulder pads. Today, the practice will be another shoulder pads day. Then Wednesday, full pads uh, for the first time. And, you know, we I know we got a lot of questions, but probably get some initial thoughts. Hopefully, everyone out there is watching your instant analysis videos. They, they're going a little long, Keely. You're going like 18, 19 minutes on the instant analysis. It's pretty, I mean, it's Yesterday's good. was 15, but that's typical. If we go past the 20 mark, that's when you know it's the, a, a big day. But... <laughs> Big news day. Dan and I like to talk about practice. It, you it do. happens. And it's, you know, it's a little different too when you watch a practice and, and players aren't available. So there's kind True. of more observations and stuff. I'm curious to see what instant analysis is going to be like when you're watching, like stretching and just talking to people. Yeah. But I don't doubt Dan and I's ability to still talk about things. And, and, and granted, in that portion of the season, we do talk about a lot about what the players are saying versus at that point, you kind of know what practice is about for the most part. So yeah. it'll be interesting how that evolves. Yeah. It's, it's whenever we, even on this podcast too, like uh, if we're going to do a show, we're like, well, we don't have a lot of questions today. Probably be pretty short. And it goes like over an hour. You're like, yeah, you just, you can talk. Yeah, you know? exactly. And you know, luckily we got Dan cause 
Dan, well, I think everyone on the staff is a pretty good talker. Maybe, maybe not Trevino, but uh, but Dan's a talker. Dan and Gerard, yeah. if, that, if they had a podcast together, it'd probably be three hours long. <laughs> Defend yourself, Dan. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> yeah, no offense to Dan. I mean, it is, the, I mean, with Ryan's uh, history, and he could you know go back to the beginning with uh, you know uscfootball.com. Uh, and with me, you just have... I, you finally get to a place where you can almost connect anything to anything uh, in terms of what you've seen, uh, you know, in sports. And so, you know, it makes it kind of, you know, you have that ability to kind of go, well, that's like what, then this and that. And, um, yeah, I've gotten to that point where you just kind of think it's all interconnected and there's so many ways you can look at things through other things that, you know, that you've seen before. So, uh so that's what that's what you try to do, and it allows you to you know maybe bring in some insights that you know just by being there and being there for so many of these um, uh, that you have. I mean, a, a lot of people. I, I Ryan, how many people do you think were covering the team like when Pete got here? Uh, Ooh, right now, I uh, think there was you and me. You and me. Yeah. So you were with the Riverside paper. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Me, like Gary Paskowitz would be out there. I think it was basically just the two. Uh, Gary Klein and Scott Wolf. Uh, yeah, Gary so, Klein, Scott uh, Wolf. And there, but there'd be like a maybe sometimes a register or a uh, a, a Daily Breeze person sometimes. Right. And, and so, so basically, it's you and me. Yeah. <laughs> well, they and they, they would and have say, more well, radio people. Pete, remember, well, like they would I have remember. a radio person come out sometimes and get sound. And they would have like the TV people every once, you know, once a every couple of weeks. But there would actually yeah, be mean, like I a guess radio Jim person. Hill, Jim Hill's been here the whole, you know, the whole time. And uh, and uh, but I'm trying to think. Oh, but Pete, not, he's not uh, regular. Like he comes once a year. But like they'll have like now it's mostly interns come out from TV stations. Like you don't, you know. Yeah. Right. But they used to have like who was the there was a guy from like it might have been KABC. There was this, this guy that's just been around a long time. He covers a lot of sports, but he would always be out there getting sound for one of the radio stations. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just, it, it is different though, and and so and there are ways at times you want to say, well, I remember when you know Pete had to you know face that issue, or USC had to face that issue, or or whatever. And I don't, you know, you at least were around for the uh, the years before Pete, which. Uh, Maybe more were like last year than uh, you know than anything we've seen, uh, and so uh, it's always good, I think, to have that kind of perspective, be able to put things into context. It does help. I mean, there in there's, I think some fans think there's similarities between. I mean, there was like the Pete Carroll stuff before that. Um, you know, you've had the John Robinson. You know, bring him back for the second tour. The 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 horrible hire of. Uh, uh, of Paul Hackett and everyone kind of talks about and things. Um, I mean, the, the biggest similarity I'm seeing right now, and it doesn't really have anything to do with fall camp. It's more on the recruiting side. But if you remember in the nineties, uh, the late nineties, when, you know, Florida state's a power in Florida and all these in Miami's, you know, kicking ass and, and just crushing everybody. And it was a, the big three in Florida were a big deal the the best players from like De La Salle or Modern Day, like they were going out of state. And what Pete Carroll did by keeping everyone in state and turning those recruiting classes around into the top five classes every year, he kind of made it cool for not just USC guys, but for the entire West Coast to stay. 
it, it didn't be, it wasn't the end thing to go to Florida anymore or go, you know, Ohio state or something with USC fault faltering, that's changing. And now it's like cool to go like right now, you, it's cool to go to like Oregon or leave the state, yeah, Texas or whatever. And I'm seeing that's like a 20 years ago sort of phenomena. And the only, I mean, I think it can be reversed, but only if USC starts recruiting really well again, if, if you're not, if it's not cool to go to USC, it's really easy for powers outside of the region to come in and pick the best players. And you got a Clemson and everyone coming in. Yeah. And, but at, to me, Dan, that's like a very similar thing where I, I remember this, this happened yep. in the late nineties. Yeah. I, I remember I was actually covering Notre Dame and uh, I think the second game in the expanded Notre Dame stadium, they played Michigan. And here's this guy who they, Michigan brings into the game and I look and I say, wait a minute, he's from Concord, or no, he was from uh, uh, Sarah, Sarah High guy. And I'm thinking, what is a guy by the name of Tom Brady doing, <laughs> playing, you know, for the University of Michigan, and they're not even starting him? And it was like, you know, and then you find out when you get out here that, oh, yeah, USC looked at him, but they weren't all that interested. And you just think, oh, my goodness, uh, where, you know, where things got off track. But, uh, but uh I mean, I think as Pete proved, and they did some really good things before he 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 played a game. They they got some, you know, Sean Cody. Uh, he had Ed Orgeron recruiting for him. They said Sean Cody. They they made a decision on Tom Malone. They said, "Whoa, this kid can really kick it." And they did some good things right away. But they had, you know, they needed to start winning, and you know, they they started winning. I mean, you know, you you get a, a Carson Palmer's here five years and. His four offensive coordinators, and then he wins the Heisman Trophy his senior year, and Troy Polamalu becomes Troy Polamalu. Those things have to happen. You have to develop, and you have to win, and they can go fast. If you're USC, you can turn things around in a hurry. Yeah. I mean, an absolute, you know, uh, blink of an eye, which is why what happens this year is so inextricably uh, connected to the recruiting. I mean, you can talk recruiting all you want. It's not turning around uh, until they demonstrate this is the place you want to be. We will get you ready for the NFL. We'll, you know, we'll keep that pipeline going to the NFL, and we're going to win championships. They haven't done that, and it's a, it's the wise thing for kids to say. I'm not sure about USC right now. I, I don't think there's any question. Yeah. You know, prove it. USC's got to prove it. I mean, I think there. You talk to former USC greats who say, you know, in football who say, I don't think I could send my kid to USC right now. Uh, that doesn't, you know, that's before this year. Now here's, they got a chance this year to turn that around, but they've got to turn it around and they got to do it this year. Yeah. Uh, sleeper school. I think one of the publications picked USC as a big sleeper school this year, so I mean, I, I can agree with that. The, the amount of talent the Trojans have, but let's let's talk about fall camp a little bit. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't need to like if there's some direction you want to go. I mean, probably people want to know quarterback stuff uh, first. Maybe Keely, you chime in, and we'll get Dan's thoughts on the QBs. The QBs. I mean, it's hard to fully tell just because it's been two days of no pads. So the D line and the O line can't fully go out there. Um, and then putting on the pads on Monday, shoulder pads. I'm not sure what I expect from the quarterbacks right now, but I just don't feel like they're performing 
at their top at the top level. Clay Helton described it on Saturday as off and on, and I would agree with that. Some guys have great moments, and some guys have moments they want to take back. So I think maybe I expected some progress to happen over the course of the offseason and the summer, and I'm not sure if that really we can see that yet. Whether they are just kind of in a, a little slump getting off of the offseason, I'm not sure. But, Dan, I was asking you yesterday, what are you looking for in the quarterbacks? Because I just don't feel like they're necessarily there yet. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think uh, when the season gets started, you hope that the quarterback is in uh, sync with his. And they now, Clay said yesterday, we need eight wide receivers or eight receivers ready to go every game. Well, when you think of how many reps does the quarterback that you pick need with those eight receivers to get ready? Is JT Daniels getting that? No. He's mostly mixed, uh, matched up with walk-ons. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we were laughing about it yesterday. You, they, they come out in seven-on-seven, seven and you say, yep, three walk-ons and one scholarship player for JT. Uh Keaton Clovis is being matched up, I would think, with maybe the best group of wide receivers. But I think as much as the mix and match works to, you know, to get into the, you know, into where you want to go, uh, and you're not playing Fresno this week. So, but, uh, I think the sooner they, they select that quarterback and the sooner they get him, he's got to get in sync with eight receivers. They got to, that's a lot of throws. That's a lot of plays. That's a lot of reps. Uh, you can't do it with four. There's just no possible way four guys can get enough reps with enough people. And by the luck of the draw, I mean, we, we heard it last year after a couple of games. Michael Pittman said, man, I wish I'd have gotten to, you know, get more throws in, in, in camp from uh, yep. JT. There are some things we would, we know how to do now, but we don't. And, you know, it's not as bad as, the year when, uh, you know, USC got into game number two, I guess, or three, game three maybe at Boston College with Sark, and they needed an onside kick, and everybody realized they hadn't practiced it yet all year. <laughs> and it was like, uh-oh, what do we do now? <laughs> and you don't want to get into that even, you know, with your quarterback and your wide receivers. I do really think you need to build up uh, some chemistry there. And if it means you gotta, you know, suck it up and say, okay, not this guy, not this guy. Maybe this is our backup guy, but this is our guy. I think you kind of got to do that. Do you think it's a situation like, you know, if your dad's uh, umpiring your little league game and he's going to be a little, you know, he's like the close calls aren't going to go your way or whatever. If he's, you know, where they're going to go a little bit, like they know you, so we're we're going to show we're not going to show favoritism. We're actually going to go. Uh, above and beyond and so jt downs yeah you're going to start but we're going to let these other guys get first team reps and and throw to the scholarship quarterbacks for a while because we know you're going to end up starting do you any sense of that i think it's very very much that yeah i think it's uh, yeah your dad would call a, a ball a strike just because he didn't want to you know make it look like he was favor- if you were up at bat because he didn't want to look like he was favoring the, favoring you over the pitcher yeah i i think there is some of that and i think the emphasis on we really, really, really mean it this year. We're going to compete, 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 and we mean it at all the positions. There's nobody going to be given a position, and then you've got the highest profile position is quarterback. And even if you need to get there pretty quickly and you got a guy who started 11 games last year as a true freshman 
and he had the best single game all year against Notre Dame's playoff defense. Uh, yeah, you know, but I think they got to get there fairly quickly. They really do. Uh, because for example, what we're seeing now that we didn't know is it certainly looks like freshmen, uh, you know, like, uh, Maneer McClain and, uh, you know, and, uh, Drake London, they're in the mix. They're, they're going to be on the field. It looks like, I mean, I, you know, you got a six, four guy and a six, five guy there. USC's receiving core is really going to be difficult to match up with. I mean, we watched yesterday, well, two practices out of the three, where they get, you know, in the red zone, and uh, they have JT throw a fade to um, uh, Michael Pittman. And, you know, Elijah Griffin does everything, you know, but, you know, hitting with a chair. There's nothing you can do. I mean, it's just if you execute that play, uh, you know, the way, you know, JT can throw it and the way Michael can physical up and, and go up and get it, there's just nothing that a, you know, a normal size, uh, you know, cornerback can do. And I think, you know, that's where you want to get with this team fairly quickly is the ability to exploit all the matchups that are liable to come. Uh, and, and you don't want, for example, the other day when, uh, I guess it was, um, I'm not, now I'm not sure. I always get, uh, Munir and Drake, uh, you know, confused. One of the two, I guess it was Drake, didn't come to meet the, meet JT's pass. Probably wasn't a good idea if he'd have thrown it to Tyler. Bonds or Amon Ra or Michael might have been okay, but it shouldn't have been thrown to a freshman who didn't come, you know, meet it. And Elijah Griffin did. They need more of the. That was a great learning lesson for everybody involved. They need that as much as possible with a whole bunch of guys on that receiving core and the quarterback that's going to be throwing to them. Yeah, Keely, you get when I gave you that analogy, you gave this look like not that you didn't like the analogy, but you don't maybe agree that that's what's going on. What do you think? Maybe I, I would agree with it. I don't know if it's a conscious decision. I just I'm really curious what the thought process is, because if they're trying to make this an exaggerated competition to where everybody is satisfied that it was a competition, I just feel like the lessons from last year that should have been learned weren't learned. Yeah, I think. If you're catering to people who don't think it's a fair competition, then you're just doing a disservice to your team. Like you need to get the guy going with his wide receivers, whoever it may be. And if we're gonna, if you're gonna wait and have maybe a starter with 11 games under his belt have a lot of walk on reps, I just don't think it does your your team any favors. No. So I don't know if it's a conscious decision, like you think it might be. I, I'm not sure. But yeah, cases like this, I don't think you need to be so PC. You're like, there was one guy who started 11 games last year. And like Dan said, played the best against Notre Dame that any quarterback did all year or one of them. Um, it's OK if he gets a lot of the first team reps and throws to a lot of scholarship guys. It's up to the other guys to make sure to make up ground, you know, like. Yeah. And, and what I don't understand is Matt Fink and Jack, and Jack Sears had a whole spring camp in 2018 to prove themselves before JT got on campus. It wasn't like it was deemed from the start. And that's, and I just, yeah, not to rehash old things, but I I think it's fair if you give JT what he kind of deserves for what he did. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. I think Dan agrees with us. Yeah. And and I I think if you were drawing up an offense for JT, this is the offense you draw up. Uh, This wouldn't be the offense you draw up for Sam Darnold, for example. I think he'd do well. But you might be taking some of his game away from, or you'd have to change the offense a little bit. Uh, but for JT, 
you don't really have to change anything in this offense. I think this is, you know, this takes advantage of, of all the things he can do. And, uh, so, you know, it just, and I don't, it's not, you know, it wasn't geared that way. I just think his skill set happens to, you know, to fit in best with the offense. And, and, and probably as we're seeing, uh, Keaton Slovis's skill set might, you know, be next in, in terms of, of the match, you know, the match they need between what the quarterback can do and what this offense requires. Uh, but it's going to be interesting how, how long this goes. You know, I think the big key question is, do they decide anything before the fall football showcase? Or if you go into the fall football showcase, you always hear the danger and danger in a, you know, not in a negative sort of a way, but the danger that, that somebody just throws a couple of passes that are just, you know, by luck and by, you know, crook and chance and all of that, you know, get caught and scored and everybody says, Oh my goodness, that's the guy. Uh, that may not be the way you want to, you want to do it. So I'll be interested to see how they, how they approach, uh, you know, the big public scrimmage, uh, the 17th. Uh, mm-hmm. do you wait till after that or do you decide it beforehand? Yeah. We got some quarterback talk before we jump into questions. Maybe Keely, Dan, I'll give Keely your shot first. Any other astute observations, uh, wow. from Kate? We, like, we talked about Muneer McLean. He's looked, Pretty good. I really liked Max Williams on the first day. He was very active. Some of the, I mean, it seems like some of the freshmen are really getting involved, but any, anywhere you want to go with it, Keely. Yeah. I mean, like Dan said, Drake London and Munir McLean have looked really good. They look like they will definitely be in the mix, which they almost look like they were spring entrants just from, you know, guys who come in and have that extra time, um, kind of get it more get it faster rather than guys who come in in the fall um but a spring intern that has kind of made a name for himself is Raylan Goforth he can pack a punch when he get hits guys and and he's kind of been everywhere where you you kind of notice him more and more each practice so he's someone to watch for Max Williams um moving well he's on a punt return and kickoff return um and that's surprising given where he was in spring and trying to do that rehab I'm trying to think of other guys who, who have stood out. Um, Drake Jackson looking good, obviously. Uh, J2 Fele, uh, they were doing, they usually do one-on-ones offensive D line where we can normally see them. They did that in spring. Now they did it all the way over in the far, far space. So Chris Trevino and I were trying to watch it and it was hard to get the numbers sometimes, but you could always tell when it was a J2 Fele rep because he would just destroy guys and go like 110% every rep. So he, he looks like he's just really trying to get consistent and be that guy where we saw flashes last year, but he wants to be that consistently each rep, which is a good sign for USC fans. Um, yeah. I'm trying his, to think of his other hair games pretty on point too. There's know. a lot of good hair There's on some, this team some great hair yeah, yeah. so something. i think that just that that's worth a couple wins alone just the true. better hair true uh we mentioned this on <laughs> instant analysis uh john jackson has been rehabbing hard uh and trying to work back from that hamstring injury um he's already running with with guys like california ethan ray who are doing their rehab um so just like that those guys are, are standing out uh keen slovis Getting those first team reps, uh, looks good. Looks, uh, sometimes looks better than maybe Matt Fink or Jack Sears, which is an interesting development there. But, uh, right now, those are the guys who, who's, who are on the top of my mind. How about you, Dan? Well, I think, uh, what we've seen is, uh, uh, that they are, I mean, my question was, what are they going to do with Keenan Kristen? And they gave mm-hmm. him, uh, you know, he, he's doing a couple of things. I'm not sure he necessarily, uh, handled the, uh, the kickoff. 
opportunity. Uh, he was the eighth out of eight and, uh, and, and didn't seem to be as comfortable maybe there, but he looks really comfortable lining up in the backfield. I mean, he, he took one in at goal line, uh, the other day where he really initiated the contact and just went right on through. But the thing he did the best was they, they, they ran a swing pattern from, you know, inside the 10, uh, in the red zone and, he got isolated uh, with a, a defender who I can't remember who it was, uh, probably a corner. And he, you know, they got him the ball, and he didn't even, I don't think, got up to top speed. And he, the guy had no chance to even touch him, much less tackling. I mean, he just ran to the flag like it could not have been easier. And I know afterwards Clay talked about they're going to put in plays for certain guys. Because uh, we didn't see that in the spring in this offense, and uh, I know this: if you're a defense, you know if you're on defense and he's in the game, you really better have a plan to keep him from getting to the sidelines and turning it up upfield because he will. He, he, you know, and I just saw today, uh, Cal High Sports named him as the uh, California High School Athlete of the Year, and then there was a little footnote that said he's the fastest football track player athlete in the history of California. So what does that say? Faster than Reggie Bush. He is faster than Reggie Bush. And I know it's been a long time since we've been able to even bring, you know, bring that into the conversation, but he changes the look of, of this offense, I think. Uh, and yet maybe not as much as Stephen Carr yesterday. I mean, from the first time he touched the ball yesterday, and nine on seven, and now it was real nine on seven because of the pay, uh, shoulder pads. He made a cutback on an over pursuing defense, uh, you know, for a touchdown. He just did all the things that you thought when you saw him first, you know, two years ago. This kid's going to be able to do this. He now looks like he's got the burst, uh, but he also has the experience of a couple of years of being in college. So, you know, that looked pretty good. And then Marquis Step is still looks like he's, uh, you know, a lean 230 pounds and catches the ball, runs with power, and, uh, you know, has the finesse to kind of tiptoe up the sidelines. Got outside uh, a time or two yesterday. So, uh, so I think the running back situation, you know, I, I, I really like it. And I like what Clay says is, Graham, he's not talking about balance, not talking about how, you know, same number of plays. He says that they're going to take what the, what the defense gives them. And, uh, it's going to be, we can do whatever you, we want, whatever you're going to line up in, we're going to take advantage of it. And if that's to run the ball a bunch, they think they've got, you know, the guys that can run it and, and especially guys that, You've got to defend the pass against, and that's going to make it hard to really, uh, you know, clamp down on the run game. Uh, so, so I thought there were some real, you know, steps forward in terms of us being able to see the run game and then be able to, you know, work on it, uh, even with uh, Vavai out with, uh, you know, tweaked his knee. Uh, I think, you know, the the depth there uh, is, is pretty good. So, but. Uh, but watch Keenan. He's going to be fun to watch. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's special, and I don't know that we've made enough of it. You know, that the fastest, you know, football track athlete in, in the history of California. 
That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, he's fast. So we're going to see some more of him. Pretty fast. He's, he's got to catch those kickoffs, though, if you want to see him do yeah. that, I guess. I don't think we're going to see him as much on the kickoffs. I, yeah. He's got seven guys ahead of him at this point. And uh, I mean, maybe him, you know, go back with a double safety like they used to do in the old days and have one guy catch it and toss it to him. You know, they could do that. Yeah. He'd be pretty good if he ran, you know, the old, they used to, used to do the fakes, you know, where guys, one guy catch it and go one direction and then, and hand it to a guy going the other direction. If he's the guy going the other direction, that might be fun to watch. Yeah. Well, should we, uh, jump into questions, Keely? Sure. We actually have a question specifically for you, Ryan, about our, our friends at Trader Joe's. Oh. It's from Big Rick from Alder Point. He says, hey, Ryan, just got done lifting heavy, and now I'm on my way to Trader Joe's to eat thick. What should I put in my shopping cart? Interesting. It's a uh, real question, too, guys. We didn't make this so, up. <laughs> yeah. So this is he's referring to uh, Aaron Osmus's, uh, uh what he likes to say, you know, lifting heavy, eating thick. Uh, I did two workouts this morning but i didn't oh. uh it wasn't really i'm not it wasn't like lifting thick it was a lot of cardio a lot of, you know there was there's a bunch of squats dude that's what's crazy to me to see them doing squats with like so much weight like just even just try to do air squats it's not easy your you own know? body like, weight yeah and like so we we put like smaller like small bars on that we you kind of do a lot of reps with but even doing those like oh that's you know to, and you got to get like all the way down like don't just bend a little bit you got to like and they do it like you watch their form they get all the way freaking down and yeah. go back up. So I'm not lifting heavy. So that's like that's it, why it's strength training, Ryan. It's yes, not a workout. Not workout. They are strength Ryan, training. Ryan, Ryan's eating thick, just not eating. Yes. Not <laughs> heavy. Um, see, I think I would recommend those those rosemary balsamic steak tips. I think they're they're smaller pieces of meat, but you get a couple packages of those things. They're freaking awesome the way they're marinated and stuff. I when I look at I'm not seeing a lot of like salads and stuff on this plate. So I think you're mostly going to the meat section and buying, you know, you can get there's a whole bunch of different marinated stuff you want to get, but it seems like a potato and meat, you know, like that's it's that's the thick kind of eating. Uh but definitely we talked about the rosemary balsamic steak chips before. If you want to try those, I love those. Probably not like the uh, raviolis that I've been talking about, the mm-hmm. lobster raviolis, I don't like those are really good, but I don't think that's what you're. That's a little too carby. A little carby. Yeah. It's, I don't think he, they go low carb or anything, but they just, it's more about there's a starch and there's a hunk protein. Of, yeah. Protein. And you kind of go with that. Yeah. So I, that, that would be my recommendation, uh, Big Rick, but I, I'm, that's, I'm not the expert in uh, either lifting thick, <laughs> more of the eating. Wait, eating thick and lifting heavy. Yeah. Yeah. You're eating heavy. <laughs> I'm eating, I've got to eat heavy sometimes. Like, I, you know, I work out a bunch, but then I'll eat like a bowl of M&Ms because like, because I like them. <laughs> you definitely have a sweet tooth, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so we have, I buy these little Andy's candies for, for mostly for Keely, but I eat a bunch of them too. <laughs> true. Very They're true. so small, but then you eat like 10 of them. So. And you're like, whoops. Yep. Yeah. But thanks, Big Rick. Yeah. Uh, we have a question from John in Brea. He says, I took a nostalgia trip and watched a couple Trojan rewinds on YouTube the other day. One thing that jumped out at me was how much fun those teams had playing football. Winning certainly helps, but do you think there are enough energetic coaches on the staff to allow this year's team to have some fun and enjoy playing the game? Or does that only come with winning? That's a good question. Uh, you have to win, but, uh, 
you know, you've got to do it on the practice field first. And, and I, I think what we saw yesterday, they might have had a little too much fun. Uh, and, you know, they practiced like they were in full pads. Uh, they said, the heck with studying. We're going to take you all the way to the ground. There was some talk back and forth. Uh, didn't say, you know, they didn't let it get out of hand to the point where, you know, the Pac-12 crew flagged anybody. But uh, they probably went past the point where, uh, you know, it was one of those for Clay. If you're Clay there and you're thinking, hey, I kind of like this competitiveness, I kind of like this physicality, you hope that's what Clay's thinking. He's probably also thinking, but we really didn't want him to go there today. And he told them after practice that, no, look, you got to follow the plan. You can't, you know, take the law into your own hands and just decide. But if they were going to to uh, go off the, the path of exactly what the practice plan was, um, going toward a lot of physicality and a lot of, uh, you know, tackling, for want of a better word, instead of thudding, uh, maybe that wasn't the worst thing you could see because, you know, we just didn't see any of that last year. And uh, I will say this, when they come off the practice field, they look, like they've practiced really hard. I mean, there were times last year you you saw guys coming off the practice field and you just didn't look like they'd practiced yet. Uh, so, uh, and, and the idea that uh, no more water breaks, um, they're running, uh, you know, sideline to sidelines after practice uh, seriously, uh, you know, timed and, you don't see anybody, you know, really dragging uh, behind. They look like they're in good condition, and they look like they want to play hard, and they want to hit somebody. And that was, uh, you know, I think we've come out of the last two seasons not sure if we would see a USC team that looked like it really wanted to hit somebody. These guys do, and uh, that's, you know, again, that's a positive thing. One of the problems in years past is they'll do that in camp to some extent, and then they start getting ready for opponents and they go through mock game week and game week and then every week of the season. And it's all about tactics and strategy and game plan and, you know, walkthroughs and all of that. And they stop competing. Uh, I think the beauty you hope of Graham Harrell's offense is the way they practice it. You can't stop competing because they can't do it anything less than full speed and under, you know, full game tempo. And the defense has got to be there as well. And, and I get the sense this defense doesn't want to let them do what they're going to try to do. So, uh, so I think the dynamic is different, but, uh, it's got to play out and they got to do it every single, uh, you know, practice and they got to compete as hard as they can compete. And when we say physical, going really fast, going at game speed or more is physical. They've still got to do that, whether they, you know, tackle or not. Everything else they do, they've got to do absolutely as competitively as they can. And the defense has got to make the offense better and, and vice versa. And, again, that kind of went away the last, uh, you know, for certainly last year. Yeah. You know John's a junkie when he's watching Trojan Rewinds on YouTube. Was it Lindsay, <laughs> yeah. Lindsay Soto at the time? She's Lindsay Rhodes now with NFL Network. But uh, Petros used to do them. They, they were, were good shows. They were so good. Yeah. I, I – Everyone's going to groan, but I used to watch Bruin Rewind. And I would, after games that I would go to at the Rose Bowl, I'd come back home and watch 
Ruin Rewind and I like have it memorized. They were just such a good like behind the scenes into what yeah. football was like. It kind of got me into this path of I want to be around that, you know? So Really? Yeah. That, I want to shake the hand of whoever created those shows. Yeah, those are good. Those are regional, like the regional Fox shows. Yeah. But they don't, they just don't have that affiliation anymore. They just yeah. don't do that anymore. It's weird. But those yeah. were great. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as practice goes, I feel like there's a rejuvenation that kind of started in spring. It sometimes... In prior seasons, we'd see kind of this fake excitement where guys would kind of put on the show a little bit to be like, yeah, we're doing this. And it would kind of die down. But it just seems like there's they're actually having fun practicing. And I think Dan and I were talking about this the other day, especially with the offense. I think it comes with having attainable goals and having a scheme that you know what you're doing. Your coaches know what they're doing. And there's a, a scheme that you think is can be successful in the long run. You know, I think running the gumbo – for a couple of years, at some point you kind of know it's not going to be as successful as it could be. So I think that helps. And I think as far as the defense goes, there's guys that bring a physicality that I think motivates the rest of the team. Like I mentioned, J2 Fele, a pallet EA, a railing go forth. Those guys are going to hit you and hit you hard. And I think that is a motivation for other guys. So I think we're seeing a new type of, of practice style. But like Dan said, whether that translates and and stays for the whole season is going to be the big question mark yeah um i got a voicemail question that i haven't listened to yet because we got it right before the show but it's our buddy curtis in marino valley so i assume it's gonna not be like terrible (laughs) but just just you know it's a little disclaimer i haven't listened to it yet so okay let's play this one for you guys hey this is curtis from moreno valley keenan christian is a very good running back we need him to return kicks for us. He's dropping them at practice. They just need to keep working with him on it. But no one's run a faster 100 meters than him in the history of California. He tied the record for the fastest 100 meters. This is probably the fastest guy on the field for the rest of his life. He's extremely fast, and he's a great running back. So... Marquis Step gets to step on people. Let's let uh, Stephen Carr be Stephen Carr. We'll be in good sh- offense. Peristyle, take a look at uh, North Texas. Is that where the, uh, our coordinators from? Look at their high from last year. That'll show you our imagine our players uh, in that offense. Balanced offense with a great passing and running game because they spread out the field uh, and give Clay Hilton credit for a transfer portal. We should always keep some openings in the transfer portal. That guy from Tennessee started at left tackle 25 straight games for Tennessee. Graduate grown man, uh, fifth year senior. And we got him. He's able to play immediately. We got to always keep some positions open on the transfer portal. Curtis from Moreno Valley. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, Curtis, uh, I, I think he well hit all the points. Curtis was listening in to what I was saying or thinking. But uh, I think Drew Richmond's interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of watching him and seeing – where he fits in, you know, with this uh, with his offensive line, uh, is he going to be one of those, uh, you know, plug and play guy that you can kind of move like he already, you know, was 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 penciled in as a as one of two right tackles, but with Austin Jackson 
having, you know, done the bone marrow, uh, you know, donation to his sister and coming along a little, uh, you know, a little more slowly at left tackle, they had, uh, you know, drew over there. So uh, I'll be interested to see, you know, how that plays out. He looks like a, you know, a grown man uh, and all those SEC starts. Uh, we shall see. You know, he might be that guy that you can plug in, you know, anywhere that you need him, and you always need that guy. Um, so uh, it's it's good. To, they just he's an indication of there just seems to be a little bit more depth where you need it, uh, usable depth, translatable to the field. Where in the last couple of years you had the feeling if somebody went down, you really weren't sure who was going to be able to you know go on that field, and and some of that was because of the complexity of both the offense and defense and that you, you didn't trust a lot of guys past the starters. Um, I think that's a, that's a different feel about it. Uh, I mean, I, and Clay even got to the point the other, yesterday, I guess, say, or two days ago, saying Clancy's doing what he said he was going to do. <laughs> yeah, duh, he's got to. You've got to make him. That's why you're the head coach. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we see more guys that certainly look like they're – and you've got three new coaches on defense that are coaching them up in ways in which uh, we haven't seen before. Guys look more ready, you know, to, to uh, you know, compete. I mean, I think they're, you know, at the cornerback spot. I don't think we have any idea how that's all going to play out. We've got some really good athletes going after it, you know, hard. Again, we haven't seen that. You could pencil guys in at the beginning of the year and you knew they were going to be there, you know, the whole year and nobody was going to challenge them. Uh, it's a different, it was a different world this year. So, uh, hopefully, you know, for USC's sake, that plays out, you know, really well. Uh, but, uh, you know, for starters, it's, it's, it's moving in the right direction. Curtis, thanks for that call. Uh, we're going to take a really quick break, come back and, uh, and answer the rest of your questions back in a sec. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. Keely, what's up next? You got another uh, email or something? Oh, we got a lot. We got an email from Steve in Poway. He says, at Pac-12 Media Day, Michael Pippen talked about how the playbook went from being over an inch thick to just two pages. I know that's part and parcel of this new system, but two pages? Doesn't that seem overly simplistic? I know simplicity is good here, but I think my fifth grade pl- flag football playbook was at least 10 or 20 pages. <laughs> in, other wo- in other words, can th- can less complexity be a good thing? Am I the only one concerned that opposing teams will have our number? Steve in Poway. 
You know, I, I mean, I think the thing is, uh, you've got a lot of things you can do. Like if you've got uh, one play, you've got four patterns that, you know, your basic four patterns off that play, and you've got the running back doing something. Uh, you know, so take those 18 basic plays and multiply them, you know, by, you know, four or five times. And now you're up to, what is it, 72, uh, you know, minimum uh, things that you can do. That's about all, you know, you don't have enough time there. there, You haven't had them enough years. You don't have enough hours in the week to, you know, like last year, they kept trying to add plays and trying to come up with new plays and they didn't have enough time to practice them. It was obvious they get the game week. They spent the time, you know, walking through plays and trying to, you know, figure out how to do them. And they didn't know how to do it. They weren't doing them enough in practice because they had too many of the things. It, it reminds me that, you know, Denny's menu that Lane Kiffin had, and he had the three columns that went all the way down in fine print, you know. And first column, those are the stuff we're going to use. The second column, this is the stuff we might use. Third column was, these are the stuff, this is the stuff we never practice, but we might have to use. And you think, what are you doing? You can't have that many plays. You know, you've got to have things that you can do every day uh, at full speed without having to think about it. And you have a, a, some basic principles like get open, run the grass. The quarterback is looking for that. And you get the sense as you get into every play how it's going to go by how they're defending you. And you know what to look for and you know how to, how, you know, how to adjust at, at full speed, but it's up to your players on the field to make those calls. And it's not, you know, like last year, for example, they had a lot of plays, but they didn't have the ability to audible. They were so complex and so locked in from what I understand, JT never got a chance to audible ever in a game. Well, I mean, that's just, that's crazy. You've got to be able to do that. And now they're able to do that. So, no, I'm a big fan of, of, the, of the simplicity and perfectibility and doing it over and over and over. So it's muscle memory and it's just absolute reaction. I'm more of that, you know, Vince Lombardi, uh, you know, school of, you know, you just got to be able to do it so perfectly in your, you know, every day and every, every play in the game because you do it every day in practice. If you have a really, you know, complex playbook, um, then you're guessing what are they going to do against this? I mean, with this team, they focus on what we're going to do every week to, to prepare and we're going to prepare our whole game plan. And then it's up to you to decide how are you going to defend us? And then, you go out and you say, well, then you're going to do this. We're going to do this. But what the thing you're going to do is something you've done over and over and over and over again. Uh, and, and yet you're not having to outguess them. You're not having to prepare a game plan that says, well, I think they're going to defend us this way. So this is the game plan we're going to do. And if they don't defend you that way, you're screwed. That's forget that that's gone and they'll there's plenty of complexity in this uh built into this system it's just a different kind of complexity it's not one that's in a playbook it's one that occurs on the field with players making decisions in the play as to how they're being defended and taking uh you know another move to get open uh 
but you got to practice that a lot. You've got to really, really, you know, get perfect in what you're doing to be able to do that. Yeah. Steve, don't worry, man. This is going to be way better than gumbo. So way better than the gumbo. (laughs) We have an email from File Smiles. He says, in listening to Clay Hilton's diatribe at Pact Hall Media Day, defending reduced access to the media at practice this season, he says, this is something that we really felt worked for us in postseason play, etc. What the hell is he talking about postseason play? Any explanations from you guys? File smiles. Hey, actually, I got a I got a voicemail along the same line, so let me play that for you first, Dan, and then we'll get the reaction. Oh man. Hey guys, this question is for Dan. So I just kinda wanted to comment on the restricting reporters at practice scenario that's currently going to be happening at USC after the fall camp ends in the next couple of weeks and to me, it's all well and good that everything seems to be going well in spring and right now, but, you know, honestly, it seems like the past few years, the problem hasn't been fall camp, and the fall camp has been one of the few highlights of the season, honestly, in terms of how the Trojans practice. So, to me, the fact that USC is restricting practices, it seems like, once again, we're in a situation where they're treating the symptom and not the problem. They're treating the symptom of a five and seven season and poor practicing and blaming the media versus the actual problem of what led to the five and seven season, which had nothing to do with the media. And don't tell them, talk to me about recruiting. If recruiting, if you don't go five and seven, recruiting wouldn't be an issue. So, uh, you know, that has way more to do than anything the media writes. And, you know, honestly, you guys are entitled through the First Amendment to write anything you want anyway. So um, that's just ridiculous. But anyways, kind of went off on a little rant there. But long story short, it seems like we can just expect more of the same because the only reason I could see them justifying restricting practice and yeah, there's the excuse of other programs do it, but that's just an excuse. Um, is because they're not actually going to change anything. So <clears throat> I don't know. I think with the new offensive scheme and supposedly simplified defense, maybe we win a few extra games. But I don't know. I'm not holding my breath for this year. Thanks for all you guys do. Fight on, Jason and Longhorn Country. Yeah, I think I think Jason's a good argument for why they probably ought to have practice open just to to you know prove to people that they are doing it differently uh, and they are i mean there's there's no question i mean i think they've done you know wonders with uh with all the you know all the aaron osmus uh you know weight uh weight stuff and conditioning you know in the off season um uh, you know i thought uh you know, it, yeah it was somebody came up with a talking point for clay to say we're going to do it we're going to restrict it just the way it's restricted at bowl games. You know, they get to see them 20 minutes and then they got to wait and then you get to talk to them afterwards and all that. Instead of just saying, look, it's what everybody else does. It it was probably after a season where you didn't go to a bowl and the previous season you did go to a bowl and you look, you know, you didn't take advantage of all your practices and you got nothing but criticism compared to Ohio state and Ohio state's approach, um, you know, to the bowl. Uh, probably wouldn't have been where I would have gone. I mean, I think they can say, well, it worked out pretty well in the Rose Bowl. And I do think they, yeah, they thought that was good, that they they got ready for the Rose Bowl and uh, didn't have to do, you know, quite as much press stuff. Uh, and so I think it harkens back to that. But I think it was all that they could come up with as a good reason, you know, to say why this will make us better. I don't think there's any chance that this makes USC better 
uh, they'll get better press if they play better. I mean, you know, I know one of the criticisms was, well, you created a uh, like a uh, a culture of negativity. We didn't create that. We just wrote about it. It somebody else created it, and it wasn't us. Uh, you know, so uh, that was probably they don't have a good explanation. I don't think. I mean. This is a tough town. If you're USC right now, and you're the only major, you know, metropolitan area in the country that has two really big time college football programs, and in the last few years you have two really big time NFL programs that just moved back to town, and one of them went to the Super Bowl, and the other one played in two, uh, you know, playoff games last year, and they're right in town. And they were practicing Saturday. I was driving into the USC practice. And I'm thinking, I'm listening for an hour and 15 minutes of a, an infomercial about the Rams and the Chargers. And it's like the questions were, do you think we should buy our Super Bowl tickets now for the Rams Chargers Super Bowl? Or should we, you know, it was like, that's the kind of talk. And they're encouraging fans to come out and watch them, you know, scrimmage one another. And you're thinking, and USC is shutting things down. Probably not the way to go. I don't know that we've seen more than one TV truck any day uh, at practice, where I think in years past, at this time, you often saw as many as three. Uh, this is a competitive market. I think they, someone at USC probably needs to think some of those thoughts about how they go about in, in competing, literally. I mean, and obviously you gotta do it on the field first. But, uh, you got a, you know, $315 million renovated coliseum that you're trying to sell tickets for. Um, might not be the best idea, might not be, let's close practice down more. Yeah. I'm not sure that exactly, you know, we didn't make them bad last year. We didn't have anything to do with them being bad last year. We just told you they were. Yeah. Uh, so. But Jason and File Smiles, thanks for those. And uh, yeah, that's not, <laughs> it's, to me, it's dumb that the whole competition thing. And yeah, I know a lot of other people don't have open practices, but no one else has the kind of situation that you have in Los Angeles where you're fighting for eyeballs. You know, even if the Lakers aren't good, they, it's the Lakers, but still people will like pay attention to other things. So I think you're doing yourself a disservice by having less coverage than as opposed to more coverage. And I know you can't control the coverage and that's what people would like to do, but no one's going to be, you know, going to usatrojans.com all the time. And that's, we're just going to consume everything from here. You have to get the message out. All the media outlets reach a lot of people. And if you're not getting the message out through them, they're going to be watching the Rams or the chargers. And they've already turned off enough USC fans that we see on our site that are like, I'm over it. They don't, they're not taking this seriously. They don't hire well. They're not firing when they should. They're, you know, Lynn Swan's a joke. Like we've seen that over and over from fans that are just like, I'm done. So to, to limit the, the exposure at this point just seems like so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if you say you can't control your coverage, you actually can <laughs> if you get it done right. Yeah. You know, go out there and compete, practice well, and, and go out and beat people. I mean, you're USC. You can't compete in the Pac-12? Come on. That's crazy. So, you know, you get the job done. You will control the coverage. And yeah. it'll be possible. I mean, you know, how bad was the coverage for Pete Carroll? You know? I mean, he, he practically – I mean, there was a year when Matt Leinart was 
the number one athlete in all of Southern California. Forget the Dodgers, the whoever, you know, you name anybody. He was, you know, it was one of those years, I don't know, it was the year when Kobe was injured or whatever. Uh, Matt was the man. And, and Pete Carroll, by far, was the man. You know, you have that ability to control how people cover you by how you do what you do. Yeah. You know? Yep. We have an email from Eric in Duck Country. He says, what is the most important measure of this team's success? Is it overall record, Pac-12 title, or college football playoff appearance? The 2015 team went 6-3 and three in conference, 8-4 and four overall, and won the Pac-12 South. Conceivably, we could see an 8-4 and four USC team win the Pac-12. I would assume an 8-4 and four season wouldn't save Clay Helton, but what if the team wins the Pac-12? Conversely, the team could go 10-2 and two, but miss out on a Pac-12 title and end up in the Alamo Bowl. Or go 10-2, and two, miss out on the Pac-12 title, and go to the college football playoff like Ohio State did in 2016. What saves Clay Hilton? Is it overall record, winning the Pac-12, or making it to the college football playoff? Thanks as always, Eric in Duck Country. Right. I'll do a run real quick. I think it's more about the <laughs> results. It's either if you make the playoff, you're fine. If you, I think even winning the Pac-12 South, but uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really concerned about record. I think you have to have accomplishments, so... To me, it's about winning the Pac-12. And like Dan said, it's still a Pac-12. It's not like this is some murderer's row. Uh, you know, they haven't made the playoffs three out of the last four years. So I think you got to at least be, you know, winning the South. Otherwise, it's just no point. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think uh, uh, USC has to become USC again. I mean, that's it's that simple. And not the bad USC. You know, you've got the two examples. you got to be the competitive uh we're getting better, and we're really somebody that nobody wants to play, uh, USC. And in the Pac-12, honestly, going into this season in the Pac-12, with the Utah game in the Coliseum on a short week where Utah gets screwed because they got to travel for their first game of the year, the Pac-12 favorite is sent on the road, short week to USC. Crazy, but... You know, it's the Pac-12. That proves it more than almost anything. Uh, but USC should be good enough to take advantage of those kinds of things. You know, they didn't always fall into their lap. But, uh, you know, those kinds of, you know, this schedule is a great opportunity. I know people, and it's, it's you know, it's a tough schedule. It's, 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 an, it's the kind of schedule you want. If you're USC this year, this is the challenge you want going into this season. It's not an overwhelming challenge. It's not a challenge you shouldn't be able to handle. But uh, I think it's a challenge you want to you want to face and say, look, we're back. We're not that team, you know, from a year ago. You know, we're not that coaching staff from a year ago. We're, you know, we're as different as you can imagine. It's going to be hard maybe for people playing USC to believe that. I mean, USC's been soft. USC's been undisciplined. USC hasn't known what it wants to do. And I think they've got a chance to jump on some people if – they're not any of those things, um, but they've got to not be those things. And that's up to the USC. That's not anybody else. Um, so I think that you have to get a sense through this season that what happens is up to USC. It's not about somebody else. It's not about, you know, well, they just did that. No, it's about USC. What do you do? Are you as good as USC ought to be? Um, then then they've got a chance. But um, but I think it's all up to USC. They can make the decision. 
and they will make the decision. And then somebody else will make another decision if, if it doesn't happen. But uh, they're, they're going in the right direction. Got to give them credit. Uh, you know, maybe they didn't do as many things as we thought they probably could do. They didn't. But the ones they did, I think the one advantage of USC is if you do stuff right at USC, you get a bigger payoff because you're USC. You know, you might have to do more things right at a lot of other places. But if you do enough of them right at USC, you got a chance. It's USC. Yeah. I mean, how many places can you go start off one and three and win the Rose Bowl that year? Like that's. That's not going to happen I, basically anywhere else. Like that's a USC specific thing. Cause you'd have to be in the Pac 12 because that's not probably not going to happen in the Big 10. Like, you know, so like at Alabama is not really, that's not going to happen. But for USC, it can. And you just have to do enough things right. And they've, to go five and seven, you have to do a lot of crap wrong. And they had, they did last year, just a ton of it. I'm just, I'm not sure we know what the standard is for Lynn Swan and, and Kara Folt. Because, I mean, Eric said he assumes that an 8-4 season wouldn't save Clay Helton. I think it could. Yeah. I Like, the big question we always say is, what what does this administration really want out of the football team these days? I mean, I can see a, an argument being spun where 8-4, it was a tough schedule, and, and we turned things around, and we're going to keep moving forward next season, you know? So yeah. I don't know what the standard is. Yeah, that happens, and you got USC fans jumping off buildings at that point. Like, that's fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like not a, good. No, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. That's the big question. Yeah. Uh, We have an email from Steve in Poway. He says it was recently announced that USC, Texas, USC transfer Rue McCoy mispracticed MPRPs because he has an unknown illness, which caused a high fever for several weeks. In the same statement, Coach Heldon also said that Rue had been watching film with his teammates, presumably in, in the enclosed space of a film room. With the standard care being quarantined in this situation, is anyone else wondering about the veracity of the story? Given his track record, my guess is that brew is either either has mono or this is actually a much worse this is actually much worse for trojan fans like me a very bad case of cold feet he puts a smiley face what are your thoughts on this find on in 2019 and thanks to the entire uscfootball.com team who brings us the great information throughout the year not just during fall camp you guys are not only the best but several notches above the rest steve and poway well let me say this steve you're lucky you closed like that because you changed, <laughs> you changed what I'm going to say a little bit. Uh, come on. You can't diagnose a patient you've never even seen in your life. Come on. You can't do that. We see him every once in a while. He walked past us the other day when we were getting ready for instant analysis. I used to be a college trainer. My dad was a team doctor. I have no idea what was going on with Drew McCoy. You can't write that or say that. You don't know. I mean, he could have, a, he could have, you know, some kind of, uh, uh, where he needs antibiotics or some kind of, uh, you know, an infection, some kind of a thing that maybe, you know, you got IVs or something like that. You got, you know, you don't, you don't have any idea what that could possibly be, you know, and to say, you know, cold feet or whatever. That's just, that's just the sheerest kind of, I don't want to, you know, be mean because I really like what you said about us, but that's stupid. Don't <laughs> do it. You can't do that. Please. And You're smarter than that. And if there's any doubt, uh, Brew McCoy's parents were at practice yesterday. 
watching practice. So yeah. Yeah. I don't think they would do that. I don't if, think there's cold feet going yes, on. Yes, I don't think that would be a weird thing to do if the whole family was having yeah. cold feet. Yeah, and if, if you want to say, okay, I don't think it should have gone on for six weeks in the summer, you're not wrong there. And, you know, that gets us into another area that, you know, we all might have some questions about how some stuff happens at USC. But uh, but I, to, to, to assume that it's the kind of communicable disease that he couldn't be in a uh, in a room with his teammate, come on, you just can't possibly guess and go there. You just can't. I'm sorry. You know, I would indicate it would indicate to me that he doesn't have that because they may not get some things right. I don't think they're going to do that. Okay, I just you know that's no. If he's got something that you know that he could give to the rest of the team, he's not sitting in a room watching film with them. So I think that was a clue as to what it wasn't, not what it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we have an email from Rick McDougal from La Mirada. Um, his email says, change, change seems to be the word of choice at USC recruiting, as far as I can tell. Being a longtime fan slash alum, when it came to recruiting, stability and hotspot were definitions here when it came to recruiting. I see future classes and three and after three star, two four stars, and maybe one five star. Trend of coaching or not right people in kids' living rooms. I know talent everywhere, but not as we were anymore. Love your show. Hope for an answer back. Totally sure what he was asking there. Rick, I felt like Rick was using uh, Morse code. He was like, or as a telegram, like he was limiting the words he was using. Yeah, like, I, read, I read it word for word. It was cutting off some words just to like, because it was like a text message or something, uh, which it wasn't. I don't oh. know. Yeah, very strange. Uh, I will say this. If USC ends up with a five star, they're ahead of 11 or 10 other Pac-12 schools just by definition, you know, so you could say, oh, that's not very good. It's not maybe as good as USC standards. USC is going to recruit based on how they play. And if they play well, they're going to recruit really well. And if they don't, they won't. It's 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 really that simple. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, this is all about results. And you're either going to do well and you'll, you'll bring in some recruits uh, later on uh, or not do well and potentially get a new coach and then it's, you know, it could be, if it's a big name, you know, if like, okay, just say, if it's like an Urban Meyer comes in, here we go. Look at the recruiting class. It's going to be ridiculous. Like if it's a nobody, then, it, you know, it'll probably you know, take some time and we'll see what happens if they win again. But um, that it's all going to be about results right now. Cause you're, it's just, you're not buying this, yeah. this stock right now. You're just not sure it's, you know, ever all the, the analysts are putting a neutral or a sell on the, you know, uh, on the stock. And recruits are listening to that, you know. And if, but if you, they'll turn, they'll start saying bye, bye, bye. If they start winning, you know, they start off six and zero, oh, they beat Washington and Notre Dame on the road. Everyone's gonna be like, yeah, this is the team, you yeah, know. Exactly. And if not, then it's not. Yep. You know, and everybody gets nervous. Oh, the California guys—they're—they're they're not, you know, going to USC anymore. They're—they're they're the ones that are closest. They're the ones that see the five and seven. They feel it. You know, they're the ones that go to practice. They're the ones like Brew McCoy who were here the first couple of weeks of the second semester this past year who saw the disarray before things kind of got, got, you know, put back together. And so that shouldn't be a surprise. Those are the guys that, you know, are most familiar with what was going wrong. And so, you know, to say the very best of those are out of here, they're out of here because you know, Alabama is coming in and, you know, Iowa State and 
you know, those guys, Oregon, all those people were coming in, and uh, that's what you would expect. That's just the norm until you get your house back in order. They're lucky. USC's lucky that UCLA hasn't figured out a way to recruit or even cares to. I'm not sure if they care to. Yeah. I don't know what. I don't know exactly what they're doing. Chip Kelly's not but, a huge fan of that, you know. But, yeah, so USC's actually caught a break almost. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, it's probably bad for the Pac-12 that USC and UCLA are not recruiting high. You know, it's like you probably need one of them at least to try to recruit well, but neither one is right now. So Parity is the word, according to Commissioner Larry. Larry Scott. Larry Scott. That was Ryan's question. This will live in... <laughs> Infamy, because Larry's still trying to live that one down. I know that's pretty uh, from, funny that he's yeah the night or the right before the game where Larry's trying to sell USC two years ago for the championship game that they really had a chance for the playoffs and uh, asked Ryan's question, which was, would you rather have a, a you know a playoff contender every year, national championship contender or parity? And Larry went uh, for parity. Yeah, and now he's trying to explain. He didn't exactly mean it that way, but he said he he must get that question all the time. Said he's not he's living it down. Yeah, good job by Ryan. That was pretty funny. Nice job, Ryan. Uh, speaking of Pac-12 and recruiting, we have one final question, and it's from Mark. He says, "Each of you has has." Each of you have exposed the idea that USC has the best talent in the Pac-12 based on past recruiting class rankings. That said, if you had a choice of drafting a 22-man team from the Pac-12 rosters, one at each position, how many would be Trojans and which school would have the most players on each of your hypothetical teams? Okay, real quick. Mark, I'm, I'm going to disagree with the premise of your question because my assumption here, and maybe I'm wrong, is that you're saying – you're one of those people that's saying USC isn't as talented as the other schools. That's my, would you guys agree with that? Is that your feeling from what his question is? Yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're overrated. They really weren't that good. Right. If they were that good, they wouldn't have been five and seven. There's some people that are saying that. So what I would say a better question would be, would you trade rosters with anybody else in the PAC 12? When you're talking about drafting, okay. There's a lot of really good running backs. Like uh, you want Jamar Jefferson from from Oregon State or Joshua Kelly from UCLA. Or would you rather have USC's group of running backs? Like nobody's better than LaVisca Chenault. He might be the best player in the league. But I'd rather have USC's group of wide receivers than just LaVisca Chenault. You know, so it depends on and, and what what system are you recruit, you're, you're drafting to? Who's going to be your coach? All that stuff doesn't really if that's what the point of the question is, I don't, I don't agree with the premise. You wouldn't trade rosters. Would you take Utah's roster over USC's? No, you would. I mean, Utah's probably going to be a better football team than USC this year, but a lot of that has have to do with coaching and culture and all of that. But USC's roster is better than Utah. So that's what, that if whatever the premise of the question is, that's what I would be saying for this. I still think USC is the most talented. Yeah, that's the perfect answer, I think. I mean, we don't know. I mean, one of the problems is, I think we kind of know where Utah's roster is or Stanford's roster, whatever, where they go up or they go down or whatever. I don't think we have a clue where UFC's roster is right now, which tells you where it's been for the last couple of years in sort of a, you know, a limbo uh, where maybe, maybe not, I don't know what happened. You know, No, we don't know. I mean, it, it's they're going to determine it on the field this fall where they belong and how you ought to, you know, how you would draft them. I'd, I'd rather you say, let's wait until after the season to do the draft 
and see where they are because I think they've got a chance to get better. I don't think they had any chance to get better at any position anywhere on the USC team last year. I mean, maybe JT happened to deal with all the things he had to deal with. Uh, you know, didn't look like it for him, maybe, but maybe. But other than that, that was not, that was a non developmental year, I think, for the USC roster. So where does that put them? We'll see. They're getting, they're getting a chance through what they've done and, you know, winter weight and, um, and all the off season stuff, uh, to develop a roster. Like Ryan says, you would not trade their roster for anybody else's roster. Uh, but where is that roster right now? We'll see. Yeah. I mean, you'd want, I think Washington's super talented. I think they're close, but I think you'd still rather overall have USC's roster. They don't even know what the, you know, you got Jacob Eason coming in, but you're not sure what the, the quarterback, uh, situation is. Um, you know, they lose a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but you would take Washington's coaching staff a thousand times out of a thousand, you know, like that's, that's the difference. So, Mark, my apologies if that was not the uh, what you were saying about your question, but that was my guess, and that's what I would say. Yeah, I think it's dangerous to, to go into too much depth and detail on how good is somebody going to be in the preseason. You just, I mean, it's fun to look at all the magazines and Phil Steele, and people do absolutely the best they can. But, you know, as close as we are to this team, we don't know. We really don't know how good these guys can be. We, we have a feeling of if this or if that, uh, but we're, we're not going to be able to predict that it's definitely going to happen. You just know maybe it could happen. Will it? That's the difference. Could it or will it? Uh, it's up to them. Yeah. They're the ones that are going to decide. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, from the head coach and all, uh, you know, all the staff people, all the way to the last guy, and uh, we don't know. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up here on the Parastyle Podcast. How long did we go? I think we went kind of long. Pretty long one. Yeah, uh, a little hour and 15-ish. Not too bad. Um, I mean, not great. But just, <laughs> what you guys got to go. I told you we have a lot to talk about. There was a lot, there was a lot of questions and stuff today. True. But, uh, Thank you for your questions. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Keely. Thanks, Dan, for all the great insight. Thanks to all the questions. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, Trader Joe's been great to us over the years, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. We're not sure. We're probably going to try to do a, a tunnel vision sometime. <laughs> we don't know when, though, because it's with practices in the evenings now, so it might be like an off week or something again, but we'll, we'll figure out a time. Make sure you check out uscfootball.com, all our social media stuff, and we'll let you know what's going on with all that. But uh, that's Keely. And, and, oh. and before you go, I, I yeah. need to say Stephen Poway, you hit my hot button with the uh, the medical the medical question and and my background. So uh, 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 we just have to uh, make that a one time uh, one time thing for both of us. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, Steve, he had two questions today too. I think so. He yeah, another yeah. one was good. So that was uh, his throwaway question. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, that's Keely, Dan. I'm Ryan. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. 
This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.